this program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website cityofmidlandmi.gov slash mctv. The following presentation of the Midland City Planning Commission will begin in a moment. The Midland City Planning Commission is responsible for overseeing the city's master plan, conducting public hearings, and offering recommendations to the City Council on a wide range of local land use issues. The Planning Commission consists of nine Midland residents who are appointed by the City Council. Planning Commission meets two Tuesdays per month at 7 p.m. in Council Chambers at City Hall. This presentation is provided by the MCTV Network, a service of the City of Midland. Replays of this meeting can be found on MGTV Channel 188 on Charter Spectrum, through Channel 99 on at and UVerse, or on demand at www.cityofmidlandmi.gov. Select meetings are available on MCTV Network's Government Affairs Podcast Channel. Good evening and welcome to this regular meeting of the Midland City Planning Commission taking place on Tuesday, September 26th. This meeting is called to order. Please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. Please call roll. Griffiths? Here. Broderick? Here. Decoro? Here. Panasic? Here. Craig? Here. Powell? Here. McCoy? Here. Thomas? Here. Kohlinger? Here. Mr. Chair, you have a quorum. Fantastic. Uh, next item on our agenda is approval of the minutes from the previous, approval of the minutes. We have one set of minutes to approve this evening. Those from our regular meeting back on September 12th. I wave. A motion. We have a motion and a second? I'll second. We have a motion and a second to approve the minutes from our regular meeting on September 12th. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed, same sign. Minutes are approved. Next item on our agenda are our public hearings, of which we have two this evening. With any public hearing, we'll start with the staff presentation and overview of the petition. We'll then invite the petitioner to present before then welcoming public comments or questions. We will then give the petitioner the opportunity to come up for rebuttal and final comments before, before closing the public hearing. So with that, we'll go into our first public hearing this evening for zoning petition number 654. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, zoning petition number 654 is a request to rezone property located at 5501 Jefferson Avenue from RA1 single family residential to community. The applicant tonight is Creative 360. They're also the owner of the property. Subject property is just over three acres in size. And as I noted, the request tonight is to rezone from RA1 to community. Subject property is located on the southwest corner of Jefferson Avenue and West Chapel Lane. So generally in the uh, north uh, portion of the city. This is uh, about equidistant from Wheeler Street uh, to the south and Wackerly uh, Street to the north. Uh, 
Zooming in a little closely, you'll see existing conditions on the property. Uh, this property was purchased by Creative 360 in April of this year uh, for use as a cultural facility. Uh, they were previously located in a property on uh, Bayless Street for the same purpose. Uh, the subject property is 17,720 square feet in size. It was built in 1963 as a place of worship. It was most recently the Chapel Lane Presbyterian Church. Um, in addition to the uh, uh, primary building on the site, the site also includes 103 parking spaces that take access from both Chapel Lane and Jefferson Avenue, and also has a, a 144 square foot accessory building um, that's located on the southwestern portion of the lot adjacent to the parking lot. Subject property is located in a low density residential future land use district, which is the future land use district that applies to most properties in the immediate vicinity. There is a small area of medium density residential future land use to the north and east. Zoning generally follows the same patterns. The subject property is located in the RE1 single family residential zoning district, which is the same zoning district that currently applies for properties to the north, west, and south, as well as to the southeast. To the north and east, we generally have RA2 single family residential. The community district is a district that's intended for special quasi-public or public and private uses that are deemed to have special community significance. So unsurprisingly, a number of uses around the community that do have that special community significance are located in the community zoning district. Those are places like Dow Gardens, um, the airport, et cetera. The prior site of uh, Creative 360 on Bayless Street is one of the properties that was also located in the community zoning district. Uh, and that is part of the reason why they have brought forward a petition tonight to rezone their new property on Jefferson Avenue to the same district. The community zoning district um, allows for many of the same uses that are permitted in the RA1 single family residential district, um, which I should note currently allows for community or cultural facilities. So. The applicants, the petitioners' use of the property as it stands today is a permitted use in the RA1 zoning district. But what is different is the RA1 zoning district is very limited when it comes to accessory uses. So it generally allows only accessory uses that are customarily found in association with a single family residential property. What the community district can offer is for other accessory uses, which include some of the things Creative 360 typically offers. Um, those could be special retail sales, promotions, and fairs, and shows that may include incidental sale activities, and adult educational programs, cultural and recreational activities, public and semi-public meetings and programs, public service club programs and events, and other uses that traditionally occur in school facilities. Um, and so for those reasons, the applicant has brought forward this petition to rezone to a district that is better fitting with their proposed utilization of the property. Community zoning, is a bit unique um, in the sense that it's not um, as common. Most zoning districts of the city, you'll find multiple properties that are adjacent to each other that share the same zoning district. The community zoning district is generally scattered around the community. So our community facilities, we anticipate that they'll be located in areas that don't have other community zones. Um, that's just sort of inherent to it. The actual, the uh, future land use section of the city master plan actually uses the word scattered. So it says, Institutional and civic uses are scattered throughout the city and create a network of resources that make up the city of science and culture. These designations include city hall, other county and city municipal buildings, the hospital, utility related buildings, schools, churches, along with regional cultural amenities. So we'll go real quickly through the zoning criteria. 
Criteria one is the proposed amendment consistent with the city's master plan. Staff's answer is yes. Institution and civic uses are envisioned as being scattered throughout the city. The site has historically been used for an institution and civic purpose, and the proposed rezoning best aligns with the applicant's proposed use of the site. Criteria two, will the amendment be in accordance with the intent and purpose of the zoning ordinance? Staff's answer is yes. The proposed zoning would provide for civic uses necessary to enhance social stability and facilitate adequate and economic provision of educational and recreational facilities, which are all part of the intent and purpose of the zoning ordinance. Criteria three, have conditions changed since the zoning ordinance was adopted that justify the amendment? Staff's answer is yes. Although the subject property was built and used as a civic use, a place of worship, the zoning has not directly aligned with that use. With the change of ownership and introduction of a community arts and wellness organization at this location, an amendment to the community district is appropriate. Criteria four, will the amendment merely grant special privileges? Staff's answer is no. The proposed zoning is consistent with the use and character of the subject property since its original development, development in 1963 and is the same as several similar properties that are scattered throughout Midland. Criteria five, will the amendment result in unlawful exclusionary zoning? And staff's answer is no. Criteria six, will the amendment set an inappropriate precedent? Staff's answer is no. The proposed amendment is aligned with both the historic and future use of the subject property and is consistent with the expected conditions of institutional and civic land uses as outlined in the city's master plan. Criteria seven, is the proposed zoning consistent with the surrounding zoning classification of surrounding land? Staff's answer is yes. Community zoning and institutional and civic land uses more generally are anticipated to be present within residential areas of the city, such as that of the subject property. Dimensional requirements for the community district are largely consistent with those of the surrounding RA1 single family residential zoning district, with the exception of rear setback, where there is a 25 foot standard versus 30 for RA1, side setback, where there's a 25 foot requirement for community versus eight feet for RA1, and side street setback, 30 feet for community versus 20 feet for RA1. Criteria eight, is the proposed zoning consistent with the future land use designation of the surrounding land and the city's master plan? Staff's answer is yes. Community zoning is anticipated to exist throughout the community in order to provide convenient access to special public, quasi-public, and private uses that are deemed to have special community significance. The institution and civic future land use category is generally shown on the future land use map in areas containing an existing facility holding special community significance rather than proactively identifying such locations for future uses. The rules and regulations for the community zoning district will result in development that is consistent with the future land use designation of surrounding land, which is primarily low density residential. Criteria nine, could all requirements in the proposed zoning classification be complied with on the subject parcel? Staff's answer is yes, the subject property meets or exceeds the dimensional requirements of the community zoning district. In criteria 10, is the proposed zoning consistent with trends in land development in the general vicinity of the property in question? Staff's answer is yes. The subject property is located in an area that includes civic, office, multiple family, and single family uses in the general vicinity. Adaptive reuse of the formal, former place of worship for a new civic use is consistent with broader trends across the city. To date, we've received no public comments on this petition. Staff is recommending approval based on the following. Implementation of community zoning for the, purpose, uh, for the subject property is consistent with its historic use and purpose. The proposed zoning is consistent with the intent and purpose of the zoning ordinance, and the proposed zoning is consistent with the intent of the institution and civic future land use category and the city's master plan. 
We're at the first step tonight with the Planning Commission's public hearing. We'll be looking tonight for a recommendation from you to City Council. City Council is expected to receive that recommendation on October 9th and consider a final approval of this petition at their meeting on November 13th. We welcome any questions. Go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> pertaining to um, number seven in the setbacks, do we need to be concerned? I mean, if the existing building meets these setbacks that's currently there on the site? It appears that the current building meets or exceeds those setback requirements. Okay. If it were not to, that would be considered a dimensional non-conformance, which so long as that is not exacerbated by changes to the building, um, won't have any immediate impact on the owner. Okay, thank you. Similar question on the setbacks. Look like at least one of the requirements was to certainly more restrictive than it would have been in RA1, correct? Two of the three that, are, that differ from the RA1 standards are more restrictive. Um, the one that's less restrictive is only slightly less restrictive. Okay. Other questions? I think last question for me is, I, I don't want to call it um, up zoning, but there are those additional uses, which I think there were three bullet points on just to confirm, right? And it's limited to just those, correct? Correct. Um, those, that is relates to the accessory uses that are allowed okay. in community as opposed to the RA1 zoning district. Got it. The community district does allow for additional institutional uses that are not otherwise allowed in an RA district. Okay. For those uh, accessory uses, one is education classes. Are those allowed at current place of worships that are RA1? So that's a good question. So the, the RE1 accessory use standards are written very narrowly. So it essentially says that your activities should be directly aligned with your principal use. In that case, a place of worship, some educational activity would be anticipated as part of that. Um, Creative 360's you know, net of uh, services is a little bit broader than you might see at a place of worship. So the community um, allowance for accessory use is really better aligns with their practice. And just to go back one more time, so we noted the accessory uses because that's what would potentially make the use more intense. Is that a correct term or would you use a different term? I, I think that would be a good way to describe it. There okay. is a greater allowance for accessory use in a community okay. zoning district as opposed to an RA zoning district for a non-residential use. Okay. okay. Other questions? All right, thank you. Thanks. Uh, we'll now invite the petitioner to present. Yeah, name and address to get started, please. And my home address is 706 East Chippewa River Road, Midland, Michigan, 48640. Um, Jacob really told you everything, but I'm going to um, take off a little bit on the questions about accessory use because I think that may be um, the most important comment. I think it's important to note that we um, do fit under the RA1 zoning requirements and so having this change really is just so it's a better fit for what we do. Um, some of the things that are really important to us as a nonprofit wellness center is to make space available to other nonprofit groups in the community that don't necessarily have a meeting space of their own. And so um, the public service um, events and um, club events that are listed under community zoning would be a really important thing for us to be able to provide that. Um, secondarily, we do have a um, an art gallery that we've always made free to the public and um, and we uh, support local artists by displaying that art in the gallery and oftentimes that art is for sale with um, the majority of proceeds going to the local artists and so it would be nice for us to continue that work as well um, 
And if there are any questions, I'd be happy to answer those. So we'll get uh, questions and comments from the public next. Um, so uh, commissioners, do you have, oh, hang on, sorry. Uh, Laura, if uh, just stay up there for a second. We'll see if there are any questions from the commissioners first. Any questions, commissioners? All right, thank you, Laura. And then we'll give you the opportunity to come up for final comments once we receive public comments. Uh, we'll go ahead and open it up for public comments on zoning petition number 654. Just need a name and address to get started. Thank you. My name is Yang Funi. Um, my address is 2061 Nita Drive. Yeah, just because of the changing zones, I'm uh, immediately uh, uh, close to that uh, property. I'm just wondering what's the impact on my property values. That's most of my concerns. Okay, thank you. We'll do our best to address your question. Any other questions or public comments for or against? So my name is Grace Wan. I'm also, that's my husband, live in the Six Walita Drive. I think I first not really noticed any changes until last weekend. It was so nice weather. So I was outside, I think very loud noisy come from that new new building, I think uh, making me really feel think about, I cannot stay outside. I think it's really beautiful grass, I try to walk around. And actually initially I tried to even use my phone recording all the loud noises, screaming, music. I think that uh, I, we have lived there through the 2001. So for 22 years, used to be the church, I think it's really is a holy, it's a quiet place, neighborhood I really enjoy. Until really last weekend, I really felt, oh no, I cannot withstand. I cannot Im imagine if for the future several years, always every weekend or someday like that loud noise somehow, I think it really impact our life. Or even I don't think I want to go outside, <laughs> that noise, everything is making me feel really annoying. So I just wonder, even if for that change, were you concerned to have any restriction on the noisy music, not this impact to the people li living nearby, I think. So that's my comment. I really think about you can help us look at them, make our life really a bit easier, quiet, peaceful life there. Thank you, I would ask everyone to continue addressing uh, the commission with their comments. Uh, just to be respectful of everyone's time. Any other public comments or questions? All right, um, Laura, if you'd like to come back up for any final comments, feel free. Yes, we just need you to address us as the commission, please. I certainly do that. Um, uh, Creative 360 did hold its first um, outdoor event this Saturday. From um, 12.30 until three, we actually offered our space to the Nonviolent Peace Force for the second annual celebration of peace um, to take place in our yard. Um, we had groups from around the community, um, Meta Peace, um, Sojiac, um, Rotary, um, that are working towards peace in Midland. Midland Neighboring Week Committee um, had a table there and we provided the space for that event to happen. 
Um, again, it was from 1230 till three to be respectful of people's evening hours, which we always are. And um, um, it, it was well attended. And, um, and I think the nonviolent peace force who were the hosts of that meeting were very pleased with the results. Any other final comments, Laura? No, I don't have any. Thank All you. All right, thank you. We'll go ahead and close the public hearing and go into deliberation by the Planning Commission. Uh, there were, I think, two questions about, at least one about noise and one potentially about use. Jacob, let me address those to kick things off and then we'll get into further discussion. Sure, so noise is generally gonna be regulated under the city's code of ordinances, not under the zoning ordinance. Um, with the exception of our neighborhood commercial district, hours of operation for a permitted use in a district are generally at the discretion of the owner of the business or the, or the use of the property. And any noise violations would generally be enforced by the Midland Police Department if there's a complaint um, made uh, with regard to noise. The first question uh, was related to property values. Uh, property values, neighborhood impact on property values is generally on a, a neighborhood basis. And so the assessor is gonna look at similarly situated properties in the immediate vicinity, generally residential in character. Um, given that this property is already developed for a civic use, I wouldn't anticipate that a change in zoning um, would result in any change in property valuation. Thank you. Commissioner Decker, what do you think? I think well, the question I think maybe you already brought up, Andrew, but <clears throat> as far as, you know, the activity or the noise, would that be permitted under both the RA1 and the, the community zoning? Sure, so as the petitioner stated, um, the current use of the facility as a cultural facility is already a permitted use of the land in the RA1 zoning district, and there are no restrictions on the time of activity. Any output of noise would be subject to the same regulations that would apply to any of the adjacent homes mm -hmm. in terms of the level of disruption that uh, is and isn't permitted to adjacent property owners. Okay. So it would be reasonable to consider that if a church was having a Sunday morning service that was outdoors and had like speakers for music and everything that would be, uh, had this still been a church building, that that would have been a normal use of the property? That's correct. Specifically, it sounded like this was a club that was using it, that was making use of this space. I thought that that was one of the accessory um, uses that would be permitted in community, but may not be permitted currently in the current zoning. Is that correct? Um, it is. It, the, the allowances under the residential A1 district for accessory use are, as I said, just very narrowly tailored to what you might expect in a residential setting with some carve-outs for schools primarily. Um, but you would anticipate a place of worship could have outside groups using that facility. That's very commonly an activity that takes place both in Midland and elsewhere um, for places of worship to have outside groups that use their facilities for meetings, as well as outside groups that might use the facility for events such as you know, a wedding or a funeral, for instance, may not necessarily be associated with a member of the, of the church to use the facility. And so those type of activities do take place in the RA district, uh, districts from time to time um, at other church facilities. The community district is just a little bit more, I guess, upfront about what the expectations are for accessory activities. And as I said, if you read the accessory use list, it very um, strongly correlates to what Creative 360 does. That's the zoning district that they previously operated in for the entirety of their existence as an organization in Midland. And so it's one that they're familiar operating uh, under the rules of, uh, and that really is the, the nexus of why this petition came forward. 
Do you have a follow-up? No. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Not. I'm looking for a motion. A motion to recommend. Recommend. Yeah. The yep. change in uh, redistricting. Do I have a second? I'll second. We have a uh, motion and a second to recommend approval of zoning petition number 654 to City Council. Will you please call roll. Griffiths? Yes. Broderick? Yes. Decro? Yes. Panasic? Yes. Craig? No. Powell? Yes. McCoy? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Collinger? Yes. That passes 8 to 1. Their next date is the 9th of October with City Council, correct? Correct. The next public hearing on our agenda is conditional use permit number 86. Mr. Chair? Yes. Um, I would like to uh, recognize that I have a conflict on this petition as we are um, working with the, the petitioner here uh, for this facility. I'd like to abstain from participating. Oh. Any issues or concerns with that, commissioners? Thanks, Governor. Thank you. Let me step down. Okay. All right, you may begin. All right, thank you, Mr. Chair. So conditional use permit number 86 is for a child care center uh, at 1717 East Sugnet Road. The applicant is the Learning Place Child Development Center. Uh, the zoning for the subject property is RA1 single family residential. And again, the proposal is for child care center. Um, so child care centers are conditional land use in the RA1 single family zoning district. Um, so that is why we're seeing this this evening. Um, so this is a high-level view of the subject property, kind of located at the um, northeast corner of Swede and East Sugnet Road. It's actually got frontage on three different roads, uh, Swede Avenue, East Sugnet Road, and then McKeith Road. This is a zoomed-in, uh, closer view of the property. The zoning for the property, like I said, is RA1, single-family residential surrounded by the same uh, to the north, uh, east, west, and then a little bit of RA2 kind of to the directly to the south and then south, uh, southeast. The future land use for the property is low density residential. All right, so looking at the site plan provided, um, so the Midland Church of the Brethren actually uh, is currently uh, existing on this site. It's roughly 9,900 square foot uh, worship center, and the applicant is proposing to lease a vacant uh, portion of the building for a child care center. Um, so the church is, has a relatively small congregation uh, that they're planning to um, only use the church on Sundays. Um, and then the proposed child care center would be operating Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. There's a mixture of existing landscaping for the site, uh, mostly around the exterior of the existing church building, um, some landscaping down here in the southeast corner, um, and then along this parking lot here, um, and then a little bit, some shrubs over here by the sign. 
The parking lot currently contains 22 parking spaces, which is sufficient for the child care center. Uh, the child care center is proposing to have a maximum of 31 children and seven uh, employees. So that would require 10 parking spaces. Um, so there is enough parking for this use. Um, the going more in detail with the parking lot, um, the applicant is proposing to have the entrance off of this first driveway um, to the south portion of the, of the subject property and then have it uh, one way direction um, exiting out the northernmost driveway on McKeith Street or McKeith Road. Um, so these are the, these are the two only, only two uh, driveways for the property. Um, there is a pedestrian connection down here at the south um, to, the, to an entrance of the church. Um, we, we will need to see a pedestrian connection uh, to the entrance of the child care center located in this corner. Um, so uh, this plan uh, that was included in the Planning Commission packet did not include that pedestrian connection. There's been conversation with the applicant um, since this packet has come out uh, that includes this pedestrian connection. Um, so I can probably let the applicant speak to some more of that. Uh, but uh, yep, we'll need to see a pedestrian connection from McKeith Road. Um, and then this new 1,200 square foot fenced in playground, um, they're proposing a six foot high fence around this area. However, we will need to see additional screening um, kind of around this area. So whenever there's a non-residential use um, at a property that's zoned for residential purposes, that, uh, that use needs to be screened from the adjacent residential properties. Um, so this use being here, we would need to see additional landscaping. Um, again, uh, with the six foot high fencing, um, there's a requirement for, for landscaping around that. Um, okay, outstanding items, as I mentioned, uh, a compliant landscaping plan that shows the required screening, and then a pedestrian circulation through the parking lot to the entrance of the child care center from McKeith Road. Some discretionary standards um, that comes with conditional use permit uh, review and approval includes protection of public health, safety and general welfare, compatibility with surrounding land uses, detrimental effects, impact of traffic, adequacy of public services, protection of site characteristics, compatibility with natural environment, and compatibility with master plan and zoning ordinance. Staff uh, does recommend approval of the CUP for the following reasons. Uh, this development meets all the objective criteria with inclusion of the proposed contingencies, which I'll go over here next. Uh, this development appears to meet all the subjective criteria. The proposed use as planned meets the intent and purpose of the zoning ordinance and the intent of the master plan to serve the community and provide a higher quality of life to the city residents. And the proposed use would not be detrimental to the general welfare of the adjacent parcels and is compatible with the surrounding neighborhood. Uh, so we are recommending three contingency items. Uh, the first one is pretty standard boilerplate. Uh, approval is granted to the child care center in compliance with the accompanying site plan materials. Any additional uses of the property shall be reviewed and approved in accordance with the standards of the City of Midland zoning ordinance, uh, including the requirements for site plan approval under Article 27. So if there's any additional um, proposed uh, portions of the child care center that would you know, need to come back for conditional use um, approval. A pedestrian connection must be made from the entrance of the child care center to McKeith Road. 
Uh, and then a landscaping plan must be provided compliant with Article 6. Again, showing that screening. We have received no public comments to date. Tonight is the public hearing. And with that, I'll entertain any questions. Questions, commissioners? Just a quick question on the map. Um, to the northeast, there's a property that seems to be empty or vacated. Do we know what the status is of that or ownership? I mean, it's not, it doesn't look like it's owned by the, the church. Just Correct. Um, yep, there is a house on that property. That's the one where they built. Correct. There's an house, okay. Yep. Yeah, this is a, I, I should have mentioned that, this is an old aerial. I don't even think our aerial, yeah, on here also um, shows that, that it's vacant. But there is, in fact, a, a home on that property. It's a very new home, so the aerial's not that old. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, no, I drive by there, and I, didn't, I thought that yeah. was a lot where their new house was going up. But I, Over the last year. Was, okay. Any other questions? I have one on the screening. Um, so with the playground, there needs to be a six-foot-high fence plus an additional green belt, correct? So there isn't necessarily a requirement for fencing. Okay. However, um, if a wall or privacy fence is used to screen um, residential, non-residential uses in residential districts from the adjacent residential, uh, it, it also needs to include a green belt on the side of okay. the fence facing uh, the, residential, the adjacent residential. Yeah. And then what screening is missing for the off-street parking? So um, it isn't entirely clear. Um, there is, like I said, existing landscaping. Um, a, a submitted, an updated site plan showing landscaping is really what we need. Um, and again, for the, Oops. Um, for the purpose of the non-residential um, use, that's kind of what we're concerned about. Um, like I said, there is existing right landscaping here, but okay. um, yeah. And so by having a contingency that asks for a plan and can, that conforms with Article 6, that covers both scenarios, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. Other questions? All right, thank you. We'll invite the petitioner to present. You want the overhead cam? Yeah, I, I probably won't need it. Thank you. Patrick Knosik, 2525 North Eastman Road, Midland. I am representing the petitioner on, on this request for conditional use uh, of this church location. Um, Mr. Smith did a good job of presenting the site. Um, we recognized that uh, some issues needed to be changed. Specifically, he mentioned the sidewalk from McKeith to the building and uh, that, that is being addressed already as we speak. And try to show this one second. So that sidewalk, which uh, was, one sec. Stand correctly. That sidewalk would be shown here on, on this map. Uh, designated a new one from McKeith, although we don't think it's going to be used. Um, we certainly recognize there probably is some value to that, along with which wasn't mentioned in the staff was in the staff report, but not mentioned is a bike rack request. We certainly will honor that, even though again, 
we don't think it'll be used. Um, the only question we have in, in, not necessarily opposition, but this is, it makes absolutely no sense to us on the uh, screened in area here for the, the outside play area, which is gonna be a solid plastic fence, which you'll find in, in many residential lots um, that we think provides adequate screening to the other residential uses because you do find children in most residential areas and we don't see where the, the additional screening uh, adds any value to the joining property owners or to the church or to the daycare operation. And the big issue for using this relatively large site is number one, it's available, it's underutilized. Uh, our parking requirement on a day-to-day -day basis will be re reduced significantly from the Sunday use. Uh, currently, so, um, and also shown one other issue here uh, that we fully recognize is the traffic flow um, in one driveway in, one driveway out, uh, and drop off will be by way of the parents parking, taking the child into the building, and then exiting out in that one way uh, route. So we fully agree with the recommendations of the staff, with the one exception of the screening around the play area which uh, again, we, we feel adds no value other than increasing cost and uh, changing the characteristic of the building. The, uh, we do have the operator here, uh, if there's any specific questions, but this is on conditional use, so I wanna address this, the use of the building and the land for this use. And as we, we know and we've, we've heard in previous meetings, there still is a significant uh, need for childcare in Midland. This one will, will serve up to 31 children. So we think it makes a dent in that uh, childcare need for the city of Midland. Questions of me? Only question I have, you answered at the very end of what the capacity was, sounds like 31. Um, as far as that fenced in area, is it designed for how, like how many kids or I mean, I imagine it meets, be a lot, it meets the state's requirement. Okay. Uh, for the square footage uh, for 31 children. Okay, and where uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand too what, call it the, uh, the noise level could get up to for uh, the new property to the north. I'm just trying to understand how many children could be in that area at one time. Keep, keep in mind, well, we do have the operator here, so probably can speak to that more specifically, but it's gonna be very limited. Um, probably not a whole lot more than a large family, a very large family in the city of Midland. And we, we mentioned earlier the new home that exists not on the northeast, but the northwest part of this property. Um, we think it's a significant distance away. We don't anticipate that noise, other than hopefully laughter, will uh, <laughs> permeate the, the neighborhood. Are your concerns about the landscape screening also about just the architecture of the building and that it would kind of take away from the look from the street? from, uh, I think it's Swede, is this from, from this vantage point? Because it's kind of the front of the building uh, that, th that this, the... This is Swede right here. Yeah. And so it would restrict uh, the view of the church in at least that portion of it to the north. And, and again, I think our biggest thing is it really adds no value uh, to the neighborhood or to the we need to have the fenced-in area just for safety of the children, and in that, that'll be a solid fence, 
you know, there's no visual uh, between the children and in the neighborhood. I think maybe what Sheldon is there any historic designation to this building? It certainly has been used as a church. I think built in the, in the late 50s, and to my knowledge, has been used as a church since that time. Other other associated uses I understand, such as quilting quilting for special occasions and comfort for other individuals, but no other significant use. I think another question for me would be, um, I mean, any general issues or concerns with being able to provide the required landscaping plan, assuming that's going to be a contingency? Well, other, th other than my point is that it's going to, you know, obviously affect the cost association with the children that are placed there. Um, and, and again, if we thought there was a value, like we do for the sidewalk, like we do for the bike rack, and we certainly would put that in. And if it's a requirement, we'll have to look at that. Um, but um, if you look at the site, in, in my opinion and others, it really adds no, no value, any more than a, a fence around a residential area. Any other questions? All right. Um, so I know you said the operator is here. Um, do we, as a commission, have questions for the operator that the applicant wasn't able to answer? Maybe. So if it's all right, we'd like the operator to come up as. Other than, uh, you know, I think it needs to be specific to the conditional use. You know, not how the center is going to be operated, which will be covered by the, the laws of the state of Michigan. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Introduce yourself. All right. Kyle Lewandowski, 6127 Eastman Avenue, apartment A10, Midland, Michigan, 48640. Um, I'm here to answer your questions and provide any information that I can for you. Um, what questions do you have for me? Um, so any just comments to um, get things started, or did uh, Patrick cover most everything? most everything but I would like to um, reinstate that there is a need for not only child care but high quality child care um, which in my um, five years of early childhood teaching experience I can certainly ensure to the community will be provided through our curriculum or different programs that we use through the state you know of course we're going to be licensed but um, it is my vision that we would exceed the state's license, licensing requirements and provide exceptional care and service to the community and um, work, possibly work with other community members, volunteers, organizations, partnerships to um, benefit not just our children, but like I said, the community as a whole. Thank you. I think a couple of commissioners might have had questions, but ask that uh, we do keep them uh, to just those related to the conditional use permit. Um, so what questions do we have? Tell me if this is not related All right. to it. <laughs> My question is, um, comment was made about 31 children not being louder than a, loud, than a large family. I have four children, and I sometimes uh, I have to apologize to my neighbors. <laughs> so, would all 31 children be outside at the same time? No. 
No. Um, with the square footage of the playground, it would be limited to one or two classrooms outside at the same time. And how many children are in a classroom? Um, that is dependent on the age group. Right now, my infant room um, takes three children, and the toddler room takes eight children, and then I have one preschool room that takes nine children, and then another preschool room that takes ten. And so up to 19 children outside at one time? Correct. Okay. And that would be for a 45-minute to one-hour period, twice a day. So it sounds like you're currently operating a child care center in Midland. This would be an expansion? Um, no, I am teaching in a child care program right okay. now. Um, so this is not an expansion. This is just something that I've always wanted to do okay. for my career. Um, I've had this vision for high quality child care ever since I started working in the field. Um, so not an expansion, um, just a new business looking to provide exceptional service. All right, thank you, Kyle. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Eric. Um, what's the hours of operation? The hours of operation would be 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, then you would add in the occasional evening staff meetings or um, parent events that happen, such as music programs, preschool graduation. Um, but if needed, we would keep those events to the hours of operation of 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. if that's requested by you with the exception of the staff meetings because it's hard to have a staff meeting when all of your staff are working in the classroom. So does that make sense? Yep, oh, that sounds good. Is right. there a, a limit to the lease for the outside area or is there a lease for the whole property? The lease is for the whole property. Right, right now we have a signed a two-year lease um, that can be withdrawn or extended at any moment um, with no penalty, um, just based on waiting to hear from what the Planning Commission and City Council has to vote on. Um, so yeah, right now currently operating at a two-year lease, but could be shortened, could be expanded. All right, we're getting starting to get out into operations, so I'm going to um, thank Kyle for your time. Um, and Patrick, do you have any closing comments as the applicant? Six four two. Going to be very brief. This guy is committed to childcare. Uh, has worked it for the last five years in some of the best childcare facilities in Midland, and uh, we we sought to work with him only for that reason, and uh, tried to back away seven times. Um, however, uh, his his passion for taking care of, care of children and supporting their parents is obvious. So we would appreciate approval of this facility. Uh, he mentioned the lease. The intent is this is going to be a long-term lease, long-term facility, as long as it meets the need of the church, who is the current owner, and, and the families that are entrusting their children uh, to the center. All right. Thank, thank you, Patrick. You. And thank you, commissioners, for constraining your questions. I appreciate it. And thank you, Kyle, as well. We'll go ahead and welcome public comments. Public comments or questions? Any public comments or questions? 
Hearing none, uh, Patrick, would you like to make any final comments? All right. Go ahead and close the public hearing and go into deliberation and decision by the Planning Commission. Commissioner Broderick, I know you had a question, so I'll, yes. I'll let you kick off the discussion. Does, if this is uh, recommended for approval, does this limit the 1,200 square foot outdoor space or does this open this up for future larger use? The conditional use permit is associated with the site plan that is part of this approval process. So if there's a modification to that that expands an outdoor play area or a parking lot or the building, that would necessitate coming back for okay. an approval. And the question along with that, if this changes leases or somebody else were to come in, does that change any of this or does it stay because it's the same plan? The conditional use permit is for the property, not the operator. So it would run with this site if Mr. Lewandowski were to relocate his business elsewhere in Midland, he would need a new conditional use permit for that property unless it already had one for this use and another operator could utilize this conditional use permit at any point as long as it remained active. Okay. Another question I had just is again to the, the property to the northeast. Um, I, I only see that it was being built. I, don't, I know very little about it. Um, were they notified of this hearing? Um, I don't know if there's somebody actually occupying it, obviously a building, but. It is occupied, and, okay. uh, and regardless, every property owner and occupant is notified within 300 feet, uh, consistent with the requirements of state law. Okay. Commissioner McCoy, what do you think? I think it makes sense. Um, I like it with the contingencies. I understand the concern around the screening versus the fence, um, but I think it's a consistency that we're using on, on other properties and other conditional uses. Um, I think it would potentially stick out if we're not doing that. I understand the cost is a concern, um, but I think it makes sense to leave that there. Um, and I would uh, motion to approve with the contingencies. All right, we have a motion from Commissioner McCoy to recommend approval of conditional use permit 86 with the three contingencies to City Council. I am going to second that. Any final comments? Please call roll. Griffiths? Yes. Broderick? Yes. Decro? Yes. Craig? Yes. Powell? Yes. McCoy? Yes. Thomas? Yes. Kohlinger? Yes. And motion passes 8 to 0. All right, with one abstention, correct? Correct. Thank you very much. Next date is with City Council on October 9th. So, Commissioner Panasic. And while we're doing that, thank you to Kyle um, for um, stepping on and presenting this evening, and thank you to Patrick as well. Always appreciated. All right, that concludes the public hearing portion of our agenda. We will move now, <coughs> excuse me. We'll move to old business. We have none, correct? Correct. We will now open it up for any public comments unrelated to items on the agenda. Hi, my name is Carol Arnosky. I live at 2518 Brookwood Drive. I've been here before. <laughs> um, I have pictures tonight. First, 
and does this still work? Yeah. First, I want to thank Jacob, Mr. Kane, for giving my documents to you at your last meeting. I included my previous presentation to the Planning Commission. It also links um, to many of the, to much of the public input that had been published in the Midland Daily News. Just today, I don't know if you saw it, actually it was overnight on the online version, the governmental reporter, reporter Isabel um, published a complete list of all the links for all the articles, letters to the editor, the opinion pieces, all about the Ashmanrod uh, conversion. I encourage you to look at her work. Um, this is a great compilation. Okay, <laughs> I've done this a few times now, and I'm still, still out of my comfort zone. As I'm sure you know, the CCA and DDA recommended, have recommended the conversion. It's between you guys and city council, so that's why I'm here. Um, the CCA and DDA um, recommendations should come as no surprise since they were the entities that asked for the conversion in the first place. What I did find surprising is on August, this is from the CCA, on August 29th, 2023, the CCA Center City Authority held a city, Center City District meeting. It was online and in person, so you could just sit in your home or wherever and call in for business owners, property owners, and residents. This district represents 230 businesses, and I don't know how many residents, yet only eight businesses were represented. No residents called in. Um, the feedback was given in the CCA packet, which I read, it's available online. Um, it was all anonymous, all the comments were anonymous. Many were against the conversion, and three of the five letters that were sent in were also against the conversion. So I ask you, why do you think the turnout was so poor? You had eight businesses out of 230 and no residents. Do you think the businesses and residents feel their input would be ignored? Then, on September 21st, there was an online Midland DDA strategic plan update held by Gage Belko, a McKenna consultant for the DDA. The public, businesses, and residents were invited. I thought it was pretty well advertised. Um, it was via social media, the Midland Daily News, email, etc. However, again, there were only seven people who attended. Three represented the DDA and only four Midland citizens. I was one of them. Um, again, why do you think the turnout was so poor? Did the businesses and residents feel the input would be ignored? Is that what we want for our city, for citizens and businesses with opposing and legitimate and well-written views, well-thought-out views, to be ignored? Um, we have a lot of smart people and loyal and passionate. And as Sharon Mortensen said the other night, everybody, you know, everybody loves Midland. They want the best for Midland. But if they feel that they're being ignored by, by the powers, that, what the the commissions, then you know, that's what's going to happen. You're not going to get any turnout. So the main reason I came tonight was I brought my pictures, based on what I heard at the at the uh, DDA meeting. Who knows what this is? Okay, here's another clue. You know what that is? And yes. This is the best clue at all. <laughs> well, the Lark. That is indeed the Larkin parking garage. Um, the Larkin parking garage is identified by both the CCA and the DDA and in other presentations as a reason for converting Rod to two-way. 
As a matter of fact, it's presented to the DDA board, and this came from their document, like the resolution, I'm not quite sure of the term. They say, whereas the DDA recognizes the benefits of two-way restoration, two-way traffic restoration, to include increasing the visibility and use of the Larkin parking structure. So that's one of their main points, why they, why they voted for it. However, they did not reference this parking study. The Downtown Midland Parking Study by Rich and Associates Parking Consultants, it was an 80-page report in 2020, just three years ago. Um, I was unable to find out how much it was paid for this report, but I assume it was tens of thousands of dollars, because all the reports and studies get charged a lot. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I don't think any of the recommendations about the Larkin Garage were heated. I bring this up because, again, it's, it's one of the points the DDA and the CCA and pretty much all the presentations thus far have said one of the reasons to go to two-way is, is to improve visibility and usage of this garage. But the, uh, you know, so these are quotes from, from, the, from, the cons from the consultants. You know, they need to begin process develop lot identification sites. Of particular importance, the existing Larkin Street structure currently has no signs indicating there's public parking. I drove all around. I didn't park inside there, but I drove all around and took some pictures. Um, it doesn't say public. It doesn't say free. It, there's only one sign that says Larkin Parking, and I'll show you the pictures. Um, so there are not any signs in the interior or the exterior that are, all parking is available for public use. Direction signs and wayfinding signs. This study even provided different ideas for signs. <laughs> they, they gave the public parking all the different signs that they could have. You could have temporary signs. You could have permanent signs. To my knowledge, there aren't any signs. I did see signs for Dow Diamond. To be honest, it's pretty hard to miss Dow Diamond, but I didn't see any parking signs. Uh, the parking garage maintenance. I hear direction signs and wayfinding signs. Infrequent visitors and other downtown guests will often be looking for signs that direct them to publicly available parking. I know we've been in lots of cities, and they have these signs all over. So if they're trying to increase the visibility and usage of the parking garage, you have to tell people it's there. Um, parking garage maintenance. Again, this came from the study. Uh, there's a different engineering firm that additional dollars. And the garage is actually in good condition for a 30-year-old facility with areas of deterioration that require remedial efforts. The apparent condition of the garage, which in Rich's opinion, insufficient lighting levels and visible corrosion adds to the poor opinion of the facility. So I took some pictures. <laughs> Basically, there's three do doors, for lack of a better term. Uh, two of them say, do not enter. You can see how dark it is. This was a, not as bad, of, bad of a day. This is the, the garage, what it looks like. Some sort of corroded pole there. Um, this is, the entrance is not even on Rod Street. The entrance is on Larkin. So this is, this is the entrance. But as you see, it's really dark in there. And there's a sign that says something about two hours. It doesn't say anything about public or free. Uh, and then, again, the darkness. And then, you know, garages probably are hard to keep track, to keep, you know, Maintain well, but you got to try, especially if you pay a lot of money and recommendations to do that. This is another thing. So this is an elevator. I didn't know there was an elevator. This is the elevator. Unfortunately, the elevator does not work. 
It did not work on the day I was there anyway. Maybe it works today. It does not work. This is a close-up of some of the things on the elevator. <laughs> um, I don't know last time that cigarette thing was emptied. These are cobwebs, can't really see them. But again, the, I wouldn't want to park there. And that's, that, I don't think that's what we want for our city. And I don't know if it's, the, if it's the city or if it's the DDA who's supposed to be in charge of keeping this clean and providing visibility and increased usage. A couple more. This is outside. You got some weeds. You got overgrown trees. I love trees. I would hate to cut down the trees. You got broken concrete. These are the stairs on the inside. I don't know how many sets of stairs, but they're pretty much all rusty and broken. And this is one of my favorites. Very nicely painted handicapped spots on the top floor, but the elevator's broken. So if you're mobility challenged, you're stuck on the top floor. You can't go anywhere. Let's see. So many pictures. So that's the Larkin parking garage. The summary from the study. They say to install public parking signage, um, the, the city and DDA, that's who would be responsible, and that's the time frame. So, and then either eliminate few paid, paid spaces or complete, complete paid system. Again, city and DDA immediate. And market the garages for transient, short-term use, but if successful, market garages for employee parking. Um, I mean, like the Gus Macker. I talked to someone today, I went to Gus Macri, I said, did, did anybody tell you from the city that that would be a good place to park? You know, maybe in the packet that they give you or an email confirming your team's acceptance. Did they ever say, by the way, we have this parking garage you can go sit in? And they said no. Some other ideas, since we're in the idea business, um, <laughs> provide incentives for downtown employees to park there and free up customer parking. We hear that all the time, that customers can't park because the Employees are parking in their in the limited spots. Some sort of incentive. Tell, uh, here, tell guest Macker and other event attendees about the garage. Provide coupons or incentives. Maybe a free chocolate at Heather and Holly if you park here. And here's something, since we're city modern, add some electrical vehicle chargers inside there. Um, it'd be a problem of who would maintain it. But we're city modern, we're thinking forward. That would get people in there. Let's see, my point in telling you about the Larkin parking structure is that there have been ideas and recommendations through the years, most recently this expensive study, with several ways to increase the visibility and the use. To my knowledge, none of these recommendations have been tried. Instead, the city staff jumps right to change route to two-way. People do not not park there because it's on a one-way street. The structure is not visible, is not, and is not used to do to the, all the reasons I stated above. The, the uh, no signs, the condition, the darkness. The consultant's recommendations have obviously been ignored. In my opinion, this is just one more mis misrepresentation and omission of pertinent facts about the conversion as presented by the CCA, the DDA, and the city. Um, we're just telling half the story. So, commissioners, thank you for your time, and I appreciate that you're working as a commission, free, free commissioner on this for the public, for the community. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Zarnowski. Other public comments unrelated to items on the agenda?
John Elson, 6106 Sturgeon Creek Parkway. I, I'm probably one of the one percent that actually read the planning, the new, the new plant master plan. So I kind of know what's in it. Got a lot of nice pictures. I can tell you that. But uh, one thing I can, I don't understand. I mean, I, since I read through it, I picked out things that I think are important. Infrastructure is my biggest thing in Midland. If you want to ever have a vibrant, growing city for the future, what you need to have is infrastructure, and we don't have a very good infrastructure in this city right now. Uh, I looked at the flood situation. There was nothing written on it. In fact, it's really, um, I'd like to say lie, but what you haven't done, what has the city done for infrastructure for flooding? It's not Concept 5. For all you that think Concept 5 is about flooding, it has nothing to do with flooding. It's all about the sanitary system and making the sanitary system more resilient. It has nothing to do with overland flooding. I know it's in the budget as, as flooding, but it has nothing to do with it. If you read Concept 5 and you know what's in it, it has nothing to do with flooding. It just has something to do with drain, uh, drain, dis disconnection of uh, the uh, storm sewer from the sanitary system, but all the things in Concept 5 is about the sanitary system, to make the sanitary system more resilient. That's all it is. It's to make the pipes bigger to hold more, more of it, but <laughs> the funny thing about it is now you're going to build, so now you can increase the capacity so you have more places for the sanitary water to go down, but now you're going to build more north of town so you can make sure you can exceed that capacity again. It makes no sense to me whatsoever that you're even doing it. But if you want to have a vibrant city in the future, the, the main thing is you have to have infrastructure. And then I hear about the roads, okay? I hear some, I read it in the paper about some guy from Chicago saying, well, you know, our roads aren't as bad, or our traffic isn't as congested as Chicago. Well, I hope not. I mean, who wants to have Chicago traffic in Midland? I mean, it makes no sense to me. Then I hear another guy from Pittsburgh saying, oh, the roads are better in Midland than they are in Pittsburgh. And they didn't, <laughs> I'm thinking, God, how bad are they in Pittsburgh? I mean, our roads are not very good here. You hear a lot of complaints about the road. If you go down Saginaw Road, especially on a rainy day, you can just feel the undulations all the way down there. That road needs fixing. Wackerly Road needs fixing. I'll bet you within 10 blocks of where you live needs fixing someplace on that road, and we haven't done that. So we want to take money away from roads to do something that I think are frivolous, okay? I just don't understand that at all. Um, I just, my, I have an editorial in the paper today, so for those who may have read, for, for the few that read the editorials, and it's basically about the people losing control. I've lived in this city a long time. I like the city just as much as everybody else, but I, don't, I think the city's going in the wrong direction, not the right direction, by cutting off all these roads. And this is one of the things I wanted when I came to the city. I like the fact that it takes 15 minutes to go to any place in the city. I don't want to go a half an hour. I don't want to have to fight through traffic to get anywhere. It makes no sense to me. In fact, even by your own statistics, and that's in your planning manual, it shows how few Minute, minute amount of people actually ride bikes anywhere in this city. And I suppose in the winter, it's even less. Now for the streetscape, I go to the Dow Gym five days a week. I live on the northwest side of town. I go to Sylvia Stolzer at, at the Dow. I've, since June, I have counted how many people 
are from the circle all the way to Patrick Road. I realize that's not the new streetscape, but I do the whole thing because that's where they eventually want it to go. Two, that's the average. Many days, zero. The most I've ever seen is 10, but two, maybe 2.2 would be the average. That's all I see on that whole mile long stretch. So for five and a half million dollars, are you getting your money's worth? I don't see how you're getting your money's worth on that. And I know that they didn't put it in the paper, but I think the city ended up pitching in a million dollars of their own money to go along with all the foundation money that's also there. So where could that money have gone? Well, it could have gone to fixing some roads. I mean, a million dollars of city money could have gone. Just spend it, if the, if the foundations want to spend their money on it, Fine, I don't, I don't mind foundations spending their money. They can spend it anywhere they want to to improve the city. But when the city has to chip in, that's my money now we're talking about. And that's where I want to see my money spent on sewer and water, the roads, those are the two biggest things. And if you look at a deteriorating city, that's what you're looking at. If you go to Saginaw right now, which is a city in decline, population's gone down 30 some percent, you look at the roads in Saginaw. Do we want to go that direction? I don't think so. I mean, that's what attracts people to a city is one of the things is, is how nice the infrastructure is. Not having flooding, not having to go down bad roads. So this is where we ought to go. Um, I just, uh, I've read a lot of the articles in the paper, especially the last couple of weeks talking about the Ashman and Rod. I mean, when your own city manager basically says, well, people may not want it right now, but they'll get used to it. To me, that's not listening to the people. That's listening to whoever foundation is su supporting his point of view. That's not the people. And I, my, my article today or my editorial in the paper will tell you the city council is elected by the people, not by special interest groups, not by foundations, but by the people. And that's ultimately who you work for because it's the pleasure of the city council why we have the city manager we have and therefore why you guys maybe have your jobs here too. Or you guys, I'm not all you guys, but you guys, Jacob. So I, I think there's so much to learn that we don't, imp we don't apply known things. You should know this, Jacob. You were in Florida. You know how they prepare land for, for, for use. Okay, you know how they do it in Houston. All these low-lying areas, there's all kinds of retention all the way around. Um, that's to be able to handle floods. And here we have so many opportunities, but we'd rather spend our money on money on a streetscape. We'd rather spend our money on Ashman and Rod conversion. Even though, to me personally, I don't care if it was a dollar or five million dollars because it's just a bad idea. Okay, that's the whole point. And I think you guys, I know you've had meetings. But you'd have, and I've been around Selena, and I've been around these people like that, and I know that they're not listening to anybody. I've been to some of her meetings, my friends have been there, and every time you disagree with her, the first thing she does is walk the other way. She doesn't want to hear it. Now, how does that tell you how much you care about the people that actually vote in this community? So, the planning thing, to me, it's like reading a wish list of things all I want all I want in life are these things. It doesn't really address the core things. It really doesn't specify anything particular, especially when it comes to roads. It doesn't really specify anything when it comes to um, uh, flooding, infrastructure. 
Uh, one thing also I want to tell you about, that's not in there, but there was a comment about trees. How many of you guys know that there's oak wilt disease? If you do, some of you might, some of you don't. I don't know how much of the city has for red oaks, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of red oaks. There's are disease going around right now in the state of Michigan, not quite in Midland County yet, but I've asked the tree doctor, who I come to look at all my, because I have many trees in my yard, um, what's the situation? It's not here yet, but it's close. It's in Gladwin right now. You, you, if you, uh, you can, none of you guys are old as me, but there was oak, there was a, a Dutch elm disease many years ago when I was just a kid. And I don't know how many trees in this city were Dutch elm. There were thousands of trees that lost, we lost in the city. Um, that, then it was, which is going to be a very similar disease to oak wilt. So once the tree gets it, it not only gets that tree, but since the roots connect to, are grafted to each other, all the trees are going to get it. Unless you spend hundreds, and that's what I'd have to spend, probably a couple thousand dollars every two years to inoculate my trees with a fungicide. And I know you're still spending money even now in this town for the remaining Dutch elms you have. So why isn't that? That's a plan to me. That's a plan to take care of this disease. The plan is to fix the roads to make them better than what they, sh what they are right now. The plan is to fix the infrastructure in this town. And I know, the, and I know that the, the Army Corps of Engineers was here, and I was actually happy that the Midland Business Alliance was part of that because I thought they had at least an idea. It was at least working towards something. But I don't expect anything to happen until 2030, which is basically when they said they would have their study done. So for those poor people that live in the floodplains, or maybe even as it gets worse, I mean, we, it's, <laughs> I suspect we could have easily a flood every, in the next 10 years. So I mean, that's how you plan. For all these other things, I don't care about electric vehicles. In fact, some, some, since I watch a lot of business news, they're saying that's plateaued. A lot of people don't want electric cars anymore. A lot of people want to go back to internal combustion cars. They don't want the expense. They don't know what to do when, when they get old. You know, <laughs> we've pushed some of these agendas so fast, so far, that we really don't have the infrastructure to deal with what we're talking about. So where are we with electric? Well, I, I don't mind experimenting with a little bit, but to actually implement it as a big thing you know, I don't want to waste money, and you could be wasting money. Now, I've also read Tom McCain's, uh, McCann's uh, articles, and I kind of tend to agree with, I mean, are we progressing or are we digressing in this city? And I don't know, maybe I'm too old, I know I'm too old probably to think like a young person. Um, I got young, I, I got grandkids that think like young people, but, and I believe in some of the things they say, and I try to be open-minded, and I've lived in, socialist countries, you know, Norway for many years, so I know what these countries, how these countries work and how they work, but <laughs> I've also seen the problems they've had because of no roads. I've seen the problems they have because of no good infrastructure or very old infrastructure that hasn't been improved. And if we don't continue, if we don't start improving these things, I don't care what you do on the surface, it's just like, you know, Paint on, on a car to, to make it look better. And that doesn't correct the problem behind it. All right, see so y'all. Talk to you later. Thank you, Mr. Allison.
Public comments unrelated to items on the agenda. Public comments unrelated to items on the agenda. We'll move to new business. I'm seeing none. Uh, communications, we have none, correct? Correct. Uh, report of the chairperson, I have none tonight, so we'll move to report of the planning director. All right, uh, just a reminder that your next meeting is your joint meeting tomorrow evening, 7 o'clock with City Council, which will be held in this room. So please plan on being there. Please bring your print copy of the master plan with you. If you're not able to attend, just let staff know after the meeting tonight. Our next regular meeting is on Tuesday, October 10th. We do have two agenda items for that meeting. The first, Zoning Petition 655, which is a request to rezone properties at 3410 and 3420 Isabella Street. Um, that's the north, northeast corner of Isabella and Vance um, to Neighborhood Commercial. And we will also have deliberation and discussion on the Ashman and Rod two-way restoration project. Um, last note for the report, uh, staff and commissioners uh, Griffiths and Craig will be in Traverse City next week for the Michigan Association of Planning Conference. So we're looking forward to that and reporting out on anything that we learn of value for Midland. That's all I've got, Mr. Chair. All right, I'm looking for a final motion. I'll motion. Do I have a second? Second. A motion and a second to adjourn. All those in favor say aye. 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 Those aye. opposed, same sign. They're adjourned. This program is presented by a community producer through Midland Community Television. The City of Midland and MCTV are not responsible for the content of the program. The views presented do not necessarily represent those of the City of Midland or MCTV. If you would like to produce your own program, contact MCTV at 837-3474 or access our website, cityofmidlandmi.gov MCTV. We hope you enjoy the following presentation.